You're listening to the Bitcoin and Markets Podcast. Hello, Bitcoiners. My name is Ansel Lindner. This is Bitcoin and Markets, my special Bitcoin 101 series, Episode 3, Blockchains. In Episode 1 and 2, and well, in Episode 1, I covered what is Bitcoin, a 30,000-foot view of what Bitcoin is. Episode 2, I covered a little bit more in-depth on what Bitcoin is and called it Global Digital Cash. Episode 2, by the way, is uh, mandatory listening. Because, I, you know, there I spent time talking about why we want Bitcoin and stuff like that. So to answer the question like why we want blockchain, then, you know, it's because it enables Bitcoin. I wrote a blog post that kind of talks about the applications of some of these ideas that uh, from this episode. I wrote a post called Blockchain Rules of Thumb. You can find that at my website, BitcoinAndMarkets.com. Also, if you like to support me making more of these uh, 101 series podcasts, then you can donate to me through Bitcoin or PayPal on BitcoinAndMarkets.com forward slash donate. All right, so a three word definition for blockchain. I'm going to call it a public decentralized ledger and Picking this apart will help me define exactly what a blockchain is. So a ledger is an append-only database, basically. You change the balances of what you find in the database by appending a new piece, a new record. Ledgers are concerned with time and order, where a regular database is not necessarily. Um, if you don't care about the immutability of the past if you don't care about like the order of transactions things that happened in the past then you don't need a ledger if you are running a blockchain that you change the past a lot through hard forks and whatnot then you can uh, use a regular database you don't need a blockchain all right it's public because anybody can see it anybody can view it anybody can validate it verify it uh, anybody can use it Right, send a Bitcoin transaction and actually add data that way. Um, you can even mine it if you want to. Anybody can mine. You don't need permission to start mining. Um, you, it does cost a lot of money, so there is a barrier to entry in, in cost. But anybody can start mining at any scale that they want to. Okay, and it's decentralized because it's not it's not owned by any corporation or run by any government. It's just individuals around the world running this software. All right, there's three there's three type of data structures that I want to talk about that are involved in the blockchain. And they kind of grow and each one builds on the last. The first type is a the token itself, Bitcoin. What is it? like if you have if you show somebody oh here's a bitcoin on my phone they're like well what is that what is a bitcoin there's no physical body or physical coin or anything like that to this there's no tangible bitcoin so what is it well it's a rare a scarce piece of data data before bitcoin was not was never rare you could always duplicate it 
and the duplication process didn't affect the original. It's kind of like if you had a transporter from Star Trek and you just printed a bunch of gold out that way, right? Uh, that's what you could do with data. But now with the blockchain, it makes that data scarce. So it is just a scarce piece of data, a string or something like that. It doesn't matter if I go take that data and I show it to the world. It's public. But what's not public is the ability to spend it or to use it, to move it. And that is done with a private key, another string of data that's private. Okay, the next data structure is a transaction. And a transaction is made up of inputs and outputs and a signature. So inputs, all of these rare pieces of data from the past that I control, I can bundle those together and send them to somebody else as an output. And then I sign that with my private key. So you need the tokens to go into the transactions. Now blocks are collections of transactions. It has to be at least one transaction. Um, that is the Coinbase transaction, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But usually a block is a group of transactions. There's other things that go into making a block or doing a block or whatever, parts of a block. But um, for ease of this idea, just think of a block as a group of transactions. Okay, some other definitions that I want to talk about real fast are is what a hash is and what miners are. Because I think you need to know these things to understand what a blockchain is. Now, a hash is, uh, is a result of a hashing function. A hashing function is just an algorithm. You put data in, and you get data out. Now, the data that comes out of a hashing function is uniform in length. 64 alphanumeric characters. Doesn't matter what you put in. And it could be more than that. Could be less than that. 64, but 64 is a common, common one. So, you put in a movie file in one side, it'll crunch all that data down and spit out a 64, a unique 64 alphanumeric character string. You put in a PDF, does the same thing. You put in just a bunch of random bits, it will come out 64 alphanumeric characters, a hash. If you change one bit in that random string that you put in, you'll get a whole new hash function a whole new hash value out the other side so you can tell if someone changed something if i gave someone a document like a word document or something and they changed uh one letter in that word document it would hash to a completely new string so i could tell it has been tampered with so that's what a hash is now how about a miner what is a miner a lot of people talk about miners in bitcoin a lot of people talk about that um well, a miner is just a hasher, basically. It's something, somebody that runs a bunch of hashes. And why, why would it do that? Well, you, you hear about proof of work, hopefully. And, uh, so proof of work is just proof that you did a bunch of hashes, created a bunch of hashes. Currently, right now, the Bitcoin network is guessing like something like a quintillion. I think that's a billion trillions of, hashes per second and they just keep guessing until they find one that will hash that that they just guess the input until they find one that makes a certain output and it's very easy to check because you give someone to check your work 
they put that in and boom, they have one hash. They can check it. It's like instant. But to find that, it takes many, 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 many iterations. So you can prove that you found something random enough. Okay, so that kind of goes into all that. Now, how, how do blocks work? Well, miners are trying to find the solution. They're gathering all these transactions. And when they find the solution, they package everything up and they broadcast it out. Look, I found an, an answer. Add these transactions. Add this block, add these transactions. And so the other nodes and the other miners around the world will see that, check it instantly, basically, and say, okay, and they move on to the next one to find the next answer. Uh, so that's what a block is, how a block is transmitted and all that. It's not super technical, like I told you, uh, but it's basically right. Um, okay, then how, so we know what a block is. What about a block chain? Okay, so the way they're chained together is um, the miner will take the previous block and they'll run it through that hashing function and they'll get a string. Now they take that string and they put it into the new block. If you go back and change the past, it'll invalidate the string, the chain of blocks that come after it. So you cannot change the past. No one would want to do that because you would change history from then on. And actually the, the, the software is programmed to pick the longest chain. The longest chain. So if I go back six blocks and I change something and it invalidates all of these other blocks, no one will accept that because they are programmed to take the longest chain. And they already have a chain without your change in it. So they're going to accept the original chain before you messed with it because it's longer. Does that make sense? I hope. Okay, so why would miners do this? Well, miners will do this because they want the reward they get they get a reward for doing this um like i said each block has to have one transaction at least and those are called coinbase transactions this is the very first transaction in each block it rewards the finder of that block with 12.5 bitcoins currently 12.5 used to be 25 and before that 50 it gets cut in half approximately every three and a half to four years so they get this reward, and they think, awesome, now I'm going to find the next one. Almost like they just created money out of thin air, but they didn't. They created it by hashing a bunch of stuff. Um, all right, so that's not the only way that miners can get rewarded either. You have what's called fees, and this is the center. This is going to be my closing part here. This is the center of the current debate on block size and fees and all of this stuff. So when Bitcoin started, it was free to transact. You could basically send Bitcoin to anybody in the world for free. And the miners mined because they got this block reward. As the block reward gets lower and the demand for space in the blockchain gets higher, there needs to be some way to um, prioritize these transactions. And the way you do that is because the users will add a fee or a tip. It's basically an open-ended output to whoever finds the block. 
for their the open-ended output of the transaction. So they'll pay Alice will pay Bob um, 0.999 bitcoins, and they'll leave 0.001 bitcoins as a tip for the miner. Now, if everyone does that, and you have several thousand transactions in a block, then you can you know see how this can add up. I think currently it's about five percent of a miner's revenue comes from transaction fees. But in the future, as transaction fees go up because there's even more demand, a higher percentage of miners' revenue will come from these transaction fees. And the block reward is going down every four years. Okay, so what's the big deal? Well, there is a backlog or there is a, a big queue of these transactions and it can cause problems. Only the every block that the miners find can only be one megabyte in size. That's hard-coded into Bitcoin. That can be changed with a hard fork, but it's unlikely that that would be successful. This, this software has a mind of its own. It will do what it wants. It's resisting change at this point. So it's unlikely to increase this one megabyte. But what we can do is a very cool trick that the, the core developers figured out is you can decrease the size of the transaction. So instead of increasing the size of the block, what they do is they take a bunch of signature data and they take that the signature data. Remember, transactions are inputs, outputs with a signature. They take those signatures off and store them separately. So that makes these transactions smaller. It, it, can, it has the possibility to increase the block size by four times or the block. Yeah, the block size to from one megabyte to effectively four megabytes. It'll probably be more like two or 2.5, but it increases it. So uh, a lot of people are talking about fork, hard forking where they, they create an incompatible version to change the network to a bigger block size. And the best developers in the world, they don't like that idea. So they uh, are offering this, this uh, next generation upgrade to Bitcoin that will separate the, the signatures outside of the transaction. There are a lot of other reasons to avoid a hard fork as well that people have pointed out. Uh, the risk of having a parallel network or two Bitcoins. Uh, it's the underpinning of the entire Bitcoin space with all the crypto, uh, all the other altcoins. They, they, you know, they're all traded against Bitcoin. Now, which Bitcoin are they traded against? Which is the true chain? Which is not? We've seen this fail with Ethereum now. And is, is the network even going to accept a hard fork? The network is becoming resistant to upgrades. So would it even accept it? Uh, nobody knows. But I call this the next generation update, the se segregated witness, because um, it has more than just the block size. It fixes the block size, but it also fixes uh, malleability, um, and it sets us with a great foundation for the future. Yeah, it, it's just an all-in-all -all a good step, and it's better because it's a soft fork. There's none of these risks inherent with a hard fork. It's becoming more and more clear as these arguments are pointed out to the people that are pushing this hard fork idea that the hard fork is basically a political movement. They want to change the stat, the status quo. They want to get rid of all of the Blockstream Bitcoin core developers 
These are the uh, smartest Bitcoin developers in the world. Most of them, it's not just uh, developers either. It's the thought leaders in Bitcoin, like Adam Back or uh, Peter Todd. They don't want to play ball building Bitcoin for uh, businesses and trusted third parties. So they need to be gotten rid of. It's a political debate, and I think it will end pretty shortly. So that is the block size debate in a nutshell. Obviously, my position is that that se uh, segregated witness, which is this next generation update, is very, very important. And I don't care what your belief is on the end state. This is what we have now. And if you are worried about uh, running out of space or congestion on the network, you have to adopt segregated witness or you will be a hypocrite. Hope this was informative, guys. Let me know in the comments. Again, you can listen to my normal podcast, Bitcoin and Markets. Um, I try to do those, um, you know, every week to two weeks. I put out a pretty good episode. Um, and if you want to support me making further content, again, go to the donate page on my website, BitcoinandMarkets.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Ansel Lindner. And thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget this. I just scratched the surface. You do know more than 99 0.99% of people out there about blockchains now but there's still so much more to know and so I, I encourage you to keep learning, keep going out there uh, support my show so I can provide more content, we'll see you next time peace <laughs>